Fantastic. I'm talking about revelation. Revelation. Now, it's a word that we use quite a lot in Christian circles, don't we? I mean, there's a book in the Bible called Revelation. Um, in certain church circles, we might use that word a lot. But I really want to kind of dig in a little bit today to what we mean by revelation. And if you started off with a dictionary definition, you would probably find something like this, that revelation means unveiling, it means disclosure, uncovering, exposure. It's when something is made known that was previously secret or hidden. That's that's the essence of what revelation is about. So when we have a revelation about something, we see it for what it really is. We get it. We, we understand it. We, we understand the deep truth about it. So it's all about making known hidden truth, unveiling reality, and helping blind eyes see. That's, that's what revelation is about. And when we think about our relationship with God, revelation is the essence of God communicating with us. It's the unveiling of God's truth to us. It, it's that point, this wonderful point, at which the vastness of God's thoughts touch our limited human consciousness. It's God actually talking to us through the language of the Spirit. This language of incredible depth and beauty, but it's a language that's so simple that a child can learn it. Now, when, when we stop and think about it, when we really think about it, it is extraordinary, isn't it, that we get any kind of access to the mind of Almighty God. Listen to these words that God speaks through Isaiah 55. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, God's mind, God's thoughts are so above and beyond the human mind, aren't they? But despite this huge gulf, the Bible makes it clear that God readily chooses to communicate with us. He readily chooses to unveil his very thoughts to us. In fact, revelation is inherent to the very nature of God. It's who he is. He's, he's not a God that is distant, that is silent, that is aloof. He's a God who is a communicating God, right the way through the Bible, we see that he speaks. You know, at the very beginning of the Bible, he spoke and creation happened. And then right the way through the Bible, the narrative is, is of God reaching out to people, God communicating to people, God sharing his thoughts with people. Now, of course, and, and we know this, don't we, that there are t for us as Christians, for us as followers of Jesus, there are two primary sources of revelation. The first, of course, is this, you know, the beloved written word of God. 
um, an everlasting source of wisdom and revelation to us as we love it, as we feed on it, as we study it daily. So that's our primary source of revelation. But we also know that we are children of the Spirit. We've been given the Holy Spirit. And there's a, there's a, there's a now there's a now word type of revelation. There's God speaking to us in the moment through his spirit. And we need both. We need to be people of both word and spirit. So we're rooted in the Bible, but we're walking with the spirit. And it's the now words of God, those moments when like like we, we heard, you know, that, that beautiful, quiet whisper of God. It, it's, it's those words which take us day by day, moment by moment, that enable us to hear God in the specific. Because the now word of God, it's so much of it is about the specific. You know, what do I need to hear right now? You know, I, I absolutely love the Bible, but um, if, if I think about what I'm doing and my mission field in Sheffield, the Bible isn't going to tell me which of the 10,000 Chinese students is ready to hear the good news about Jesus. And, and I, the, way, the reason I mention Chinese students is our missional community reaches out to international students, particularly Chinese students. So the Bible will give me all sorts of wonderful principles, but it's the now word of God, the Holy Spirit working in my life today that leads me towards those particular Chinese students who are ready to hear the good news of Jesus. So we need both. We need the written and the now word of God. And the good news is that we are perfectly designed to receive God's revelation. He's made us to be hearers, to be perceivers of his revelation. We are his children. We are his children. And our Father loves to speak to us. And it's, it's important to just state that we never have to fear his revelation. We, we, we don't have to fear revelation. Sometimes we can be a bit nervous about what we think God might want to say to us in the moment, like that kind of like spooky, scary music that, that we heard. Um, some of us are walking around with a slight misconception about revelation. You know, if, if I really stopped and listened... If I got close enough so I could hear the whisper of God, God's just going to tell me off. He's, he's going to tell me to go and do something that I want to do. But that's because we've got a misunderstanding of the nature of our Heavenly Father. You know, God is love. God is love and God is light. <laughs> so his words to us are going to be full of love and they're going to be full of light. They're going to be life-giving. His revelation feeds our souls, draws us closer to his heart and makes us more like Jesus. It's really good stuff. And yes, sometimes he can be a little bit firm and perhaps a little bit directional, but we should never fear it. Instead, we should be running towards it. Listen, if we could have the next slide. Listen to this ancient promise from the book of Jeremiah. We got it. Yes. These wonderful ancient words. Call to me and I will answer you 
and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Great and unsearchable things. Are you hungry for that? I am. <laughs> I am. And just think about the vastness of God's thoughts. There are plenty of great and unsearchable things in the mind of God, in the heart of God. I just want to run into that place. I, I, I want to pursue that because I know that I can never have too much of God's revelation, too much of his thoughts. And as, as we start to listen to his revelation, as we start to tune in to that, that quiet whisper, that still small voice, we'll find that sometimes God gives us revelation for ourselves because he's our good father. And, you know, he, he wants to tell us how much he loves us. He wants to tell us that he's proud of us. He, he wants to tell us the things that he's created us to do. He, he wants to speak to us of the incredible potential that he's put inside each one of us and the wonderful kingdom things that he's calling us to do. So a lot of it is hearing God for ourselves. But we also, as we, as we listen to, to, to the voice of God, we start to hear things for other people. You know, so perhaps one day we're praying for somebody at church and a little picture will pop into our heads or a thought will come to mind or we'll be, we'll be reminded of scripture. And this is God giving us revelation for somebody else. And the name for that is prophecy. You know, we can hear that word prophecy and think, oh, it sounds very grand, very, very spiritual. I could never go there. If I'm going to give a word of prophecy, I have to speak in a big, loud voice and say, thus saith the Lord. Um, prophecy is simply hearing God's revelation for somebody else. Um, it's a way of, of encouraging other people. It's a gift that we can all get to learn, get, get to use. It's an incredibly valuable gift that God has given the church. And I'd encourage everybody to practice it, to pursue it. Because at the end of the day, this wonderful gift, this gift of prophecy, it's not for our benefit, it's the benefit of everybody else. And we would all love a gift of prophecy. We'd all love, wouldn't it, for somebody to perhaps email us, text us tomorrow and say, I was just praying for you and I just felt God wanted to encourage you this way. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift to pursue. Now, I just want to talk a little bit about the spirit of revelation. So again, if we could have our next slide. Wonderful. Thank you. The spirit of revelation. Because actually, revelation is a person. Revelation is a person. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and the spirit of revelation. He is the agent of revelation. He's the one that reveals God's heart and mind to us. It's through him that we have access to the heart and mind of God. He's the person. And this is how Jesus describes him. When he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will speak what he hears. The spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. 
And this is how, as we've heard just a few minutes ago, how the Apostle Paul describes the work of the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit teaches us all things and guides us into truth. And you know something, there's this very interesting link between the Holy Spirit and prophecy in the Bible. This is very interesting link all the way through the Bible. It's fascinating because prophecy is very often the key sign of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon people, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's this fascinating pattern, this repeating pattern. As the Holy Spirit is released upon people, prophecy happens all the way through the Bible. So an example from the Old Testament in 1 Samuel 10. So Samuel anoints Saul as king and Samuel tells Saul that he will have a life-changing encounter with a group of prophets near Gibeah. And so Saul, so Samuel says to Saul, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power. Wow, fantastic. It's like this little echo of Pentecost, these these little precursors to Pentecost that we see in the Old Testament. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. And that's exactly what happened. The Spirit came upon Saul and he started prophesying. A New Testament example, I've just taken one, Acts 19 verse 6 says, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So the Holy Spirit comes, people start prophesying. There's this link all the way through the Bible. Why is this? Well, it's because of who he is. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of revelation, the spirit of truth. He, he's the very essence of, of, of revelation. It's through him that we, we have this connection with the Father's heart. And he always brings his prophetic gifts with him. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you have got the Holy Spirit living and working in you. So therefore, you can prophesy. You can hear God. You can prophesy. It goes together. He's the one that gives us revelation of truth. And a fundamental part of his ministry is to search out these deep, hidden things of God and make them known to us. He reveals God's heart and mind to us. And as he does that, he shows us things that no human mind could perceive. He shows us things that that no natural eyes could see. He opens up this incredible world to us, the world of the spirit, the world of revelation. He lets us see into the kingdom. What an amazing truth. You know, the covenant reality, and and I ponder on this a lot, and I still struggle to really get my head around it. The, the, The reality of the new covenant, which we are all part of, if we're a follower of Jesus, is that we are children of outpouring. We are children of outpouring. 
We are supernatural kingdom people because we have the Spirit working and living in us. We are filled to overflowing with the very essence of the Godhead. That's an incredible truth, isn't it? It's such good news. And, and, and I think, you know, we, we, we all have a fairly good theology of the Holy Spirit. You know, we can just about get our heads around the Trinity. But sometimes I think we do the Holy Spirit a bit of a disservice because we... We think of him and we think, well, yeah, that's something to do with power, isn't it? Perhaps something to do with fire. And we end up treating him a little bit like a utility. So I'm a bit thirsty today. I'm going to turn on the Holy Spirit tap. Or oh, I could really do with a bit, of, um, a bit of Holy Spirit power. I'm going to go into quite a difficult situation today. I need a bit of Holy Spirit power. So I'm just going to turn on, you know, the Holy Spirit um, fire and get a bit of heat and, and energy and we we tend to call on him don't we when we really need him and treat him a bit like a utility if we're honest but the holy spirit is a person he's the third person of the trinity he's god <laughs> he's god and he's very gracious and if we ask him to come he he, he will come but i think there's a whole aspect of relationship with the Spirit that we sometimes miss, we sometimes miss out on, because we just turn to Him when you know we think we really need Him. We haven't necessarily learned what it is to walk every day, every moment in step with Him, and to develop friendship with Him, because friendship is His gift to us, His most precious gift. He is not an it, he's not a thing, he's not just a power or a fire or a stream of refreshing, he's a real person. And we can get to know him as a real person. It's an interesting thought that, isn't it? Because I think, you know, the, there's, there's been an awful lot of great teaching in recent years, certainly in the Western church, about the Father heart of God. And I think a lot of us would would feel, yeah, I do kind of know God as Father. And we, it's quite easy to relate to Jesus as a person because Jesus, you know, human being, he was a person on earth, you know, and um, so we can get to know Jesus. But what does it look like to get to know the Holy Spirit as a person? What does it look like to develop friendship with the Holy Spirit? Well, I've, I've been on a real journey with this over the last few years, probably about 13, 14 years ago, um, I was reading a book one day. Um, in fact, some of you might have come across it. Uh, Benny Hinn's Good Morning, Holy Spirit. It's a very kind of Pentecostal style book. But I was reading this one day and, and he was just describing a real, deep, genuine relationship with the Holy Spirit to the extent that he knew the Holy Spirit as a real living person, a real living presence in his life. And I just thought, I want that. I want to get to know the Holy Spirit. So the first thing I did, I thought, well, I'm, um, I'm going to print off every single reference to the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Um, so I went on, you know, one of those like online Bible search engines and I, and I found every reference to the Holy Spirit and um, 
printed them off. There's over, I think there's like 500 or more of them. And I thought, because if, I, if I'm going to get to know this person, I, I want to see what words are associated with him in the Bible. You know, what, what verbs, what adjectives. And it's fascinating. I, I don't know if, you, if you've ever done that with one of these online thesauruses, but just choose a word and just read every single reference to it. It just really expands your whole understanding of, of a word. Anyway, I did this with Holy Spirit, and I spent quite a lot of time reading these as a way of getting to know him. And, and over the years, I have been pursuing friendship uh, with him as much as I can. You know, I've been hungry for, to read books about him, and I've just been learning how to walk with him. You know, Galatians 5 has that, has that little phrase, keeping in step with the Spirit. What does it look like for me on a day-to-day -day basis to know this person and to keep in step with him? And it's really changed my, my life. And the thing is, as we, as we think about developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we approach it in the same way as we would with a friend. You know, if, if you're getting to know somebody and you think, oh, I really like that person. I, I want to develop a friendship with them. Well, first of all, we invest time with them, don't we? We make time to spend with them. So what might it look like for us to invest time in our relationship with the Holy Spirit? It's also about communication. It's about two-way dialogue. If you want to get to know somebody, you, you, you talk to them. So what can it look like for us to develop this ongoing conversation with the Holy Spirit where we're not just talking to him about church things, we're not just talking to him about spiritual things, but we're talking to him about just everyday life. You know, we're asking him questions. Holy Spirit, I'm really struggling to remember the name of that such and such. Could you just help me? Oh, right, thank you. Brilliant, wonderful. You know, he, by the way, he is, I love this phrase, I can't, this isn't my phrase, it's come from Graham Cook that some of you might be aware of, but um, Graham Cook describes the Holy Spirit as the resident genius of heaven. You know, he is the complete genius. So if we've got a question, where have I put my car keys? Holy Spirit, you're the genius, where have I put my car keys? Ah, oh, thank you very much. You know, it's, it's this ongoing conversation that we can have with him as we get to know him. And practicing his presence what little habits and disciplines can we develop in our lives so that we're practicing his presence where we, we just pause throughout the day and it can be really simple, but just pause for 10 seconds and say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you, Parakletos, you know, Jesus' is name for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're my helper, my comforter, my friend, my counselor. Just acknowledging his presence throughout the day. And then turning to him first when we're feeling a little bit weak. Now, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because, and you know, I, I'm the same. If I've had a long day, if I've had a difficult day, then... What might I turn to for a bit of comfort? I might turn to food, to chocolate, <laughs> perhaps a little glass of wine, perhaps the television. You know, there's certain things that when we're tired, when we're a bit stressed, we turn to them for comfort. Why not practice turning to the Holy Spirit before we reach to that nice bar of Cadbury's dairy milk in the pantry? Um, yeah, because goodness me, he's a lot better for us than chocolate. 
and his comfort is far better <laughs> than, than chocolate. Um, so let's, let's practice turning to him first when we need some refreshment, when we need some comfort, when we need some energy. An active relationship with the Holy Spirit is, Holy Spirit, I pay attention to your quiet prompts and whispers. It's, Holy Spirit, I listen to your counsel. You know, we, we, we listen to counsel from a lot of different places, mainly our phones these days, you know, we Google counsel. But let's turn to him, Holy Spirit, I seek your counsel, you're the counselor. Holy Spirit, I slow down enough so that I can meet you today, whatever I'm doing. Holy Spirit, I, I trust your wisdom and understanding more than I trust my own. Holy Spirit, I ask you to heighten my spiritual senses. And Holy Spirit, I eagerly desire your gifts. Now, just, just going back to revelation and, and prophecy. Prophecy is this incredibly wonderful gift. The fact that God speaks to us is a wonderful truth. But we get there by developing friendship with the Spirit because he is the Spirit of truth and revelation. Perceiving revelation, hearing God, it's not a technical exercise. It flows from relationship. It flows from relationship. Revelation is all around us. You know, God, God is speaking much more than we think. His words are closer to us than we really think. It's very easy to reach out and touch that revelation, to hear and see the revelation that's all around us. He has some wonderful, important things to say to us. But... It's the spirit of revelation whose job it is to pull back the veil and to connect us with the mind of God. So my encouragement to all of you today, get to know him, get to know the spirit of, of revelation, create space for him. Don't, don't be afraid of him. Yes, you know, the Bible has some interesting imagery associated with him. You know, fire, water, very strong wind. But he's the spirit of Jesus. He's love. He's goodness. And there are no toxic levels of his presence. You know, there are toxic levels of pretty much everything. There are definitely toxic levels of alcohol and food. Um, there's, there are even toxic levels of water. Uh, somebody I know in, in Sheffield, she was very critically ill once because she, she was exercising and she drank too much water. Can you believe that? But she drank so much water. I don't know what the medical explanation of it, but she ended up in intensive care because she drank too much water. But there are no toxic levels of the Holy Spirit. We cannot have too much of the Holy Spirit. And, and I know what it's like, you know, we, we get satisfied with a certain amount, don't we? We, you know, we, 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 we love his presence, you know, perhaps we come to church and that's a real place of just being aware of his presence and we love it. But we get satisfied with a certain amount so easily. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you very much. Right. I'm going to go and do the washing up now. 
there are no toxic levels of his presence. We can never have too much of him. And I would love for you as a church to actually take that truth and, and run with it and think, well, what would the so much more of the Holy Spirit look like for us?